The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. We connect with the Diabetes Association of Trinidad and Tobago, Andrew Danu, and his very special guest if he has one in today. Hello, good afternoon, Andrew. Hi, hi, Miss. Good afternoon. And um, so, no, we don't have a we don't have a guest today. Just me and you today. But we're going to be chatting about monitoring your diabetes. So we'll be having a chat about that. And of course, before we do that, we'll talk about what's going on in the association. Um, but I have some good news to share with all the stars. Um, and I have, well, I'm not sure if you know as yet, but I, uh, this week I did defend my PhD thesis and I was successful. So officially now you can refer to me as a doctor. Hey, congratulations, so. man. Well, I've been doing it for the while, man. You see, that's beautiful. <laughs> nice, man. Congrats, congrats. Thanks very much. So, um, so yes, I have completed, um, finally completed our thesis work and it was really, really been a long road. Um, I know that I would have finished if, if it is finished much quicker if it is I wasn't a part of the association, but I really have no regrets um, to all of the work that, that was done in the association for the last few years. So just to acknowledge, as I would have received a lot of congratulatory messages and phone calls and all of that from, from our members and listeners even. Um, so I want to thank everybody for their best wishes. And of course, I want to ensure everybody ensure that I will continue working in the association as hard as I can um, in the future. So thanks everybody for all of that. Uh, but let's get started, Basin. I want to chat a little bit about what's going on in the association. Uh, we know that Diabetes Awareness Month is coming up in November, so lots of activities. And we have um, all of these activities ready for persons to register. So we have our Ride That activity on the 5th of November. That's a Sunday. Uh, it's going to start from the Chagonas Borough Corporation going down to Point Lisa. It's a, a 50 kilometer ride back and up. Of course, you have um, shorter versions of persons who don't want to do that. We, we have uh, activities for children. You can even rent bikes. Um, and of course, all of the funds go towards raising money for the CGMs for children with diabetes. So you can go to our, our website, diabetes-tt.org, or you could, could, could follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and get more information about Ride Data. We then have our 5K and Fun Walk, Run That, and Run That is going to be on the 28th, sorry, the 26th of November. That's uh, Sunday, 26th of November. Again, it's, it'll be at the Shogunas Borough Corporation, and it'll be the, the, the 5K will be around Shogunas. Um, we're also going to be hosting a simultaneous 5K in Tobago um, at Shaw Park. Uh, we have to launch that one still, but we're going to be doing that simultaneous activity. You can register again at diabetes-tt.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook, even TikTok, and you can get that link to register. Um, you get a really nice t-shirt, you get an exceptional one-of-a-kind medal. You're not going to let the cat out of the bag as yet about the medal, but persons are really going to want this medal this year. We have a, a tradition of trying to one-up every year and do a better and better medal. So people are going to really have a good time, an excellent time there. Lots of activities at that event. So you can register for that event from now. We also have our Carlton Philip Diabetes Symposium. That's going to be on the 18th of November. That's a Saturday at the University of the West Indies, um, an educational event for the general public. Um, you can register from next week. We're going to be launching the registration from next week. Um, you're going to have exhibitors there, you're going to have professionals there, 
we actually have launched our diabetes secondary school debate competition and we're going to be doing that in uh, secondary schools throughout the country and the finals should be on that day as well so look out for that and of course november 14th is world diabetes day on world diabetes day all of our branches or 20 branches across trinidad and tobago are going to be doing simultaneous activities that's a tuesday november 14th and so you're going to look out for testing screening educational activities so we'll talk about all those all of those a little bit later on and persons will be able to go and access it. Our youth arm is actually going to be doing activities in schools that day. So we're going to be doing educational sessions during the assembly time. And I think we might have a lunchtime symposium, uh, virtual symposium. So we look out for that as well. So lots of activities happening for November. So we're really, really busy here at the association. Of course, we're trying to ramp up our CGM activities, raising those funds for the children. We're hoping that by the end of the year, we could provide at least 50 of the 150 children with CGMs. So we're working towards that. Um, at the end of the year as well, our children with diabetes camp for children with type 1 diabetes. And we also have our child lifestyle camp for children who are overweight, children who are, who are obese or maybe at risk for diabetes. So all of those activities are coming up. So I hope persons do support the association, participate. And of course, if you have any information, you can give us a call. So based today, what we want, what, what I want to chat about is about diabetes monitoring, about testing for your testing and, and, and screening and diagnosis and, and, and why do we test and when do we test? And of course, the reason I'm, I'm doing this is because this was actually part of my thesis work. This is what, this is what my thesis was based on for my PhD, um, looking at ways to screen for diabetes using non-invasives, using methods that don't involve blood because what we do have right now is blood draws and blood draws are very important because this is where you're going to be um, getting get getting most reliable most up-to-date and accurate measurements so we will be chatting about that but i want to chat of course with, with with our listeners um about why they should screen and when they should screen and of course we're going to be opening up the phone lines and i would like to hear from our listeners uh, whether whether it be by WhatsApp or by um, phone call, uh, I want to hear from you all. I want to get your questions on diabetes. I want to hear from you all about your experiences, um, and even you could share with us some things that may have helped you to to help other listeners as well. Um, today is also World Sight Day, please. Um, and at the Diabetes Association, we focus quite a lot on on, on vision, simply because. Um, diabetes and complications of diabetes is one of the leading causes of blindness in Trinidad and Tobago. So I want to remind persons living with diabetes that if you have not had your eyes screened um, during that dilated eye exam, the Diabetes Association together with the Trinidad Eye Hospital performs these tests free. And we go to locations near you and we give you this test free of charge. Every week, we are in a different location across the country. So again, give us a call at the association or go to Facebook, go to Instagram, any of those social media platforms, and you can find out where and when we're going to be, and you can make that free appointment for that test. So again, World Side Day, we really want persons to, to be aware that they need to take care of their vision. So so back to testing and yes. and and again you, maybe you could share the phone numbers with all listeners again all right we'll so do. they could so all cool. right. 
Yeah, phone numbers, of course, 6273-223-625-2257. And for your WhatsApp messages, 306-1065. Once again, it's Diabetes and You. We're talking exclusively diabetes. And today we're talking testing, right? And your site, today's World Side Day and all that. Thanks, thanks, Base. So, so tell us, tell me if you're getting anything. So, in the meantime, I want to chat about um, why is it essential for persons to monitor their blood sugar or monitor their diabetes. And I'm saying monitor your diabetes because it's not just your blood sugar that you need to monitor. When persons are living with diabetes, you need to check both directly what's going on with your blood sugars, and those direct tests would be your blood sugar test that you would do with your what we call the diascan, the glucometer, or the blood sugar monitor, whatever you want to call it. That's a direct way of to find out what's going on with your blood sugar right now. But what's also very important is to find out what's going on with your body and what what if there may be complications arising. And here's where it's important to, to test beyond just the random blood sugar. Um, a little bit further along from that is the HbA1c, which gives you your average blood sugar for the last three months. And this really gives us a picture of how you've been controlling your blood sugar. Because if it is that you just test using a random blood sugar test, or even a fasted blood sugar test, that just tells you what your blood sugar was at that point in time. Now, during the day, there are lots of fluctuations when you eat, when you work, when you exercise, when you do whatever, and your blood sugars will dip and rise. So what the HbA1c test is going to tell you is the average of what your blood sugars were for the last three months. And that average gives us a good picture of how healthy you are. So with that HbA1c test, and we do it here at the association, we it's done in the hospitals, it's done in all of the labs, and it's usually done with just a little bit of blood, with a finger stick, with a drop of blood, a few drops of blood. And... With that test now, the value that you want to look for is below 5.7%. Below 5.7% means that you have very good glucose control. And if you have not been diagnosed with diabetes before, then you are not, well, most likely you're not living with diabetes or don't have diabetes once your blood sugar is at that level. Between 5.7 and 6.5, that's where we refer to as pre-diabetes. And this means, of course, persons are at risk for diabetes and have a very high risk of developing diabetes if they don't make changes. So at this point in time, this is actually the most important time to get somebody tested. And if it is that you, you do a test and you get this value, this range between 5.7 and 6.5, it means that this is actually the best time to catch it and the best time to know that something is going wrong. Because here is where you can make interventions. Before you even take medication, make interventions in terms of your diet, make interventions in terms of exercise, even stress management. Um, and, and you could actually reverse the condition. You could actually reverse your trajectory towards diabetes. And then, of course, you could, you could not develop it. So here, again, is where people get that wake-up call. So that's why it's important to, to regularly screen your blood sugar using that HbA1c test. And of course, if it's greater than 6.5, it means that you may be diabetic, but of course, it does. it's not diagnostic like that all the time. But it means that your blood sugars aren't well controlled. And the higher your, that HbA1c percentage, it means generally the higher your, your blood sugars were. So HbA1c monitoring is actually a very good tool to manage your diabetes. 
Because what we see is that persons who have a very high HbA1c, so if you have an HbA1c of 9 and above, then you are at very high risk for diabetic complications. So persons who have HbA1Cs of 9 and above, those are the persons who tend to have the kidney disease or develop the kidney disease, uh, develop the, 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 the neuropathy, which would, of course, determine if you might be susceptible to infections and amputations. Um, those are the persons who might develop even further cardiovascular diseases. So it's really important to know those HbA1Cs. And if it is that we have somebody um, getting an HbA1C that high, again, interventions can take place. You could change what you're doing with guidance from nutritionists, from the physicians. You could get interventions in terms of medications, whether it is an oral medication, whether it is insulin, which would allow you to bring back down that blood sugar. So once somebody is monitoring their blood sugar with HbA1c, you need to you need to um, get that HbA1c every three months because every three months you get well. The reason why it's three months is because HbA1c measures a, a part of the hemoglobin in your red blood cells, and red blood cells live for around three months in your body. So therefore, if you take a blood test now and you measure the HbA1c, those red blood cells would have been around for the last three months or so. So that's where you get a three-month average. So every three months, you take an HbA1c test if it is that you're trying to make a change and lower your HbA1c. So say if today you come into the association and you get an HbA1c of 9, and then you go home and you make those changes, you speak to a nutritionist, you change up what you eat, you exercise some more, maybe you put on the medication or maybe not, and then you come back three months later and the HbA1c is 8. Well, it's still high, but it's moving in the right direction. It's going down. And this is why that single number, that HbA1c, is so important. So we really want to encourage persons to take an HbA1c test. Um, you get the test again at the health centers. You get the test at the hospital. You can do it in the lab. Or you can do it at the association right here. It's just $80 to do the test. And in three minutes, you get the results. Um, anybody living with diabetes should take this test at least annually. And of course, persons who are at high risk, persons who have diabetes in their family, persons who are over the age of 30 should take the HbA1c test as well um, every three months, well, well, every year, every three months of persons who really want to make that change. So that's that's the HbA1c base. And that's, that, that, that's really what's most important. And I know when, you, when you're chatting with Dr. Saf, uh, a lot of a lot of callers would talk about HbA1c and yes. and she would always be talking about here getting that done. So I wanted to just take the time to explain to our listeners about HbA1c and the importance the importance of it. So I want to continue and of course we we are on the line of talking about HbA1c. We are on the line talking about monitoring your blood sugar. So I mentioned monitoring blood sugars and monitoring random and random blood sugars and fasted blood sugars and for most persons at home they would of course they would have a blood sugar monitor and i hope and our our intention is really to have a blood sugar monitor and a blood pressure monitor in every single household now for blood sugar monitors if you do not have a blood sugar monitor you could contact us at the association and we could get you a free blood sugar monitor so you need to just of course purchase these strips from us which aren't very expensive but you can purchase these strips from us and we'll give you a free blood sugar monitor. If you are on insulin, if you are on insulin on CDAP, then we can also sign you up for a free blood sugar monitor on CDAP. 
So you give us a call at the association, 607-3288, at the association, and we'll be able to assist you in that way, get you that free blood sugar monitor and teach you how to use it as well. So you want to be using that to monitor yourself at home, but of course, that's not the only thing you have to monitor. So I want to continue base, but I, I think let's take a little break. And when I continue, I'm going to talk about monitoring some of the other features or some of the other um, um, parts of your body. So we're talking about monitoring your kidney function and monitoring, um, monitoring your cholesterol and so on, and the importance of doing that for, for people with diabetes. And of course, we'll entertain some questions after that short break. So base. All right, sure. So we take a break and we come back. Diabetes and you. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5. All right, folks, Freedom 106.5 FM. We now return to diabetes. And you with Andrew Danu and uh, Andrew, I'm going to say his guest. Well, I'm his guest, co-host here. So we're doing it, of course, 627-3223, And, of course, your WhatsApp message is 306-1065. We do have our WhatsApp message there. Andrew, if you want to take it. Sure, let's take it. All right, so um, recently a friend of mine went to hospital and had to have his leg cut off and due to diabetes. What are some of the signs that things are going this far to have your leg amputated that you should look for if you are diabetic? Yeah, very good question and a very important question because there, there are really too many amputations in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, so some estimates put it on about two per day or even more. Um, and that's just amputation of the leg. So, so amputation of toes would be far, far, even, even greater. So a lot of persons are affected. And we know, of course, even the majority of hospital beds in the country are taken up by persons who have some sort of diabetic foot injury. So in preventing diabetes complications and preventing amputations, one of the first things you need to do, of course, is to control your blood sugars. And that's the key thing. So once you're living with diabetes, it doesn't mean that you're going to get an application when if your blood sugars are not controlled well. And again, keeping your HbA1c down is a good sign that they're keeping your blood sugars in check. So if it is that your blood sugars are high, then you tend that as the first sign. So high blood sugars, high HbA1c's, that's the first sign that something may also be going on with the foot. The next sign is, of course, loss of protective sensation. So loss of protective sensation simply means loss of ability to feel pain. And pain is actually a protective sensation. So although nobody likes to feel pain, the reason the body causes or the body allows you to feel pain is that it warns that some damage is happening or about to happen, and it warns you to either move away from it or stop doing it. So if you mash a nail, then you'll feel pain because, of course, you need to be informed that your body, you know, you have to move your foot away from the nail or you need to take care of it. But with diabetes and progressively worsening diabetes over a period of time. You tend to have one nerve damage, and the nerve damage is going to result in losing, you're going to start losing sensation. Some of the signs of losing, some of the signs of nerve damage actually in the early stages, it, sometimes they get um, what we call in Trinidad, junjuni, you get those pins and needles sensations, you get, you get, you know, sometimes people feel like electric shocks in the foot. Different sensations in your foot that they may have never felt before. And those are signs that the nerves actually might be dying because, of course, of higher blood sugars. 
and, and damage is happening there. So if that is happening, then again, that's another sign that you know, you're, you're on the way to losing that sensation. So you don't want to get there. But if it is that you do get there to the point where your blood sugars are, well, to the point where you lose that protective sensation, there's when people need to consistently check the foot. And for anybody living with diabetes, you need to check the bottom of your foot every single day. Or if you cannot do that, you get someone to check it for you. Get someone to look at it. If you can't, you could cross your leg. If you can, you could cross your legs and look at the bottom of your foot. Make sure there are no calluses. Make sure there are no cracks or cuts or any damage. And if there is, you need to present to the health center or to the hospital as soon as possible. So one of the main reasons why in Trinidad we have so many applications is that, and of course we, we've had Professor Narayan Singh on the program many, many times talking about applications, is people wait too long before they present to the hospital. And when you wait long, because of course, one, people are afraid that, you know, there's a perception if you go to the hospital with anything with any cut on your foot, they're going to cut off your foot. And of course, that is, is fueled by that actually happened because people waiting too long. So you wait at home and then you use the soft candle and you use whatever remedy you think you could use. And you try, as if you detect there's a, there's a cut or a problem, and you try to work on it and then it doesn't happen, it doesn't heal. And then you can't do nothing else. And then, of course, you present to the doctor at that point in time. At that point in time, it might be far too late to actually perform any interventions to save that leg or save that, that, that limb. And even if you can perform those interventions, the resources at hospital may be too far and few to actually get that done for you. And we've chatted about that many, many times on the program. So the key to it is if it is that you are living with diabetes, one, you need to check your feet daily. If you do see anything that's abnormal, you need to go to your doctor immediately, not tomorrow, but today. You need to go immediately. The sooner that the sooner that you get that intervention, the sooner you get that treatment that they bring if you need to, is the the, the, the higher your chance of saving that part of your foot or even saving your leg. So it's very important to do that. You need to get screened as well. Meaning, if you don't know you're, you're losing sensation, because most people, people will notice that they're losing sensation. There are tests that you can do, and we are actually working on uh, a program we've started working on this year. We were hoping to launch it this year, but it might be early next year where we're going to be training persons to, to screen feet, where we use something called a monofilament to touch your bottom of your foot and you see your sensations. And then, of course, um, you, you determine how well the person is feeling at the bottom of your foot. So all of that is important. And, and again, what's very important is just to continue checking, continue checking, um, that there's no injury to the foot. And if it is, you need to make that intervention quickly. Hope that answers what was asked, please. All right, great. We have another question here. Good afternoon. Um, instead of taking 30 units of insulin twice daily, would you suggest taking 20 units three times a day after each meal? Thanks. Okay. So that is a, that's a question that, I, I'm not in a position to answer simply because one, I don't know what type of insulin that you're on, and because there are different forms of insulin. There may be insulins. There are insulins. Well, well, you could classify them in two ways. You could think of insulin as basal insulin, which is an insulin that is typically long-acting, 
and you take that insulin and it, it, it sustains a level of insulin throughout, throughout the day in your body. And then there's bolus insulin, which is which tends to be taken either with or before meal. Um, so that you know accommodates for that blood sugar spike that's a com- that's accompanied by eating food. So if it is that you prescribe insulin and you're t- they're told that you tell you morning and evening, sometimes it's a it's a mixed insulin that they give you. So if you're on CDAP, it may be 70, 30 insulin. And that dosage would have been titrated to, to, to manage your blood sugar, your particular condition. So what we always tell persons is when you do insulin, well, well there are actually programs to teach people how to titrate and titrate meaning that based on your blood sugars, you, you increase or you decrease the amount of insulin that you use. Um, but we can, we can of course teach people to do that. But we, 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 we're not at that stage, I think, yet in Trinidad. We really need to, to educate people about doing that. However, I would advise if it is that you do want to make a change in the amount of insulin that you take, there's a reason that you want to do that, and you need to consult your physician to make that change because taking insulin can be very, very dangerous. Eh? Taking too much insulin at a point in time could be extremely dangerous. You're going to be dropping your blood sugar far lower than you're supposed to get or so you're supposed to be. And of course, low blood sugars could put you in a coma and, and could really kill you in a very short period of time. So insulin is a very, very um, serious medication when it comes to to, to, to the dosage and when you take it and what you take it with. So it's very important, of course, to monitor and check your blood sugars when you're taking that insulin. So I would say speak to your doctor about it. There must be a reason why you want to do that uh, because, of course, you, you, you don't want those three injections, but there, there'll be a reason why you get those three injections not um, to really have that, that, that consistent blood sugar throughout the day. Another option is, of course, if you could afford it, you could... You could get supplemented with those longer acting insulins and even some of the newer analog insulins that's, you know, not, 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 um, well, in some of the newer analog insulins, which would, uh, which would kind of allow you to sustain that blood sugar better through OED. A little bit more expensive, but if that's the option you want to go for, less injections and more control, then that's what you need to do. Please. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, that's it for now. Yeah. Okay. So I want to oh. continue again. Oh, we do have a phone call coming. Let's just take this phone call. Hello, right. good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I would just like to say congratulations to Dr. Andrew Dano. I am calling on behalf of the Princess Down Diabetes Branch. So, Andrew, you have been doing an excellent job, and I'm really proud of you. You know me. I am Susie. So all the best and all that you are doing. Okay, thanks. Have a blessed day. Thanks. Thanks, Susie. Thanks, Susie. And Susie is from Princess Town Branch at the association. Really, really grateful. Thankful, Susie, Susie for that. Um, so, uh, and yes, I, I will continue doing that. So I'm glad for the support. Thank you for the support so much. So, so as we continue base, I want to, uh, we, we chatted about, HB1C, and we, we started to have that, have that conversation about checking your feet. But there are other things you need to check as well. And again, I started by saying that it is World Sight Day. You need to check your eyes every year annually. You need to check, you need to get a dilated eye exam because, particularly for people with diabetes, 
um, retinopathy is a huge issue that puts many persons at risk for blindness. So retinopathy simply meaning, of course, bleeding on the back of the eyes, on the retina. Um, and if that persists, then that could cause blindness. So you want to detect that as early as possible. And that's why annual screening is important. Even if you're not having an issue with your eye, and this is what happens when most people only go for screening or only go for testing when they, they, they stop seeing or they seem blurry or that may be actually too late when you're actually starting to see blurry. You actually have a lot of damage happening there already. So this is why screening, and screening means you want to get that test even though you're not having any symptoms. You want to have that annual test done because once, you, once you're able to detect that there's bleeding, once you're able to detect that something in the eyes, then we can quickly make intervention that could reverse it or could actually stop it. Um, stop the progression of it. So, so very, 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 very important to get that screening. And again, just to remind our listeners, we are um, offering this free diabetic eye screening test. Um, if you're living with diabetes, then you give us a call at the association. The next um, time we're doing eye screening is in Shabonas at our head office on Tuesday 17th. That's next week, Tuesday. So if you're in the Shogunas area, or you can come to Shogunas next week, the, the screening is between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And of course, it takes about 15 minutes to get the test done. You call us and you make an appointment, you come in and get the screening done, and in a couple of weeks, you get your results, and then we tell you what you should be doing. So it's very important, again, to get that test, and it's free of charge. Typically, that test is about three to four hundred dollars if you have to go pay for it. So you get your eyes checked, you get your feet checked. You also need to get some of the other blood markers done. So you need to check your kidneys. Uh, most people who have kidney disease or, or 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 require dialysis or require transplantation have diabetes as well. And diabetes is the leading cause of kidney disease around the world. Um, so if it is that you do have diabetes and uncontrolled diabetes again because again your blood sugars are high hba1c is high you tend to develop kidney diseases annually you should always have your your kidneys checked and there are many ways to do this one of the easiest way is to do a renal profile so the renal profile is a, a blood a blood test and it tells you of course the health of your kidneys um, if the kidneys are filtering the blood as it should filter the blood and if the filtration rate is too low or there's, if you detect things in the urine or the blood that's not supposed to be there, then um, interventions could be made. So again, earlier you screen, the earlier you detect these things is the more likely you have or the more likelihood you have of, of actually making a change, making or improving, improving your status. So get the tests as soon as possible, get the kidney tests the liver function test requested when you go to the health center or ask your doctor. Um, even urine strips can be used and urine strips are used to detect if there's protein in it or so microalbuminia. And this protein is going to determine. If you see protein in the urine, it usually means that there's some damage to the kidneys. So that's something that we need to look at. Um, so getting the tests, getting them done regularly, getting the screen done regularly is very, very important. Um, we, we're coming on to the last portion of the program, and I want to 
uh, but we take a short break. But uh, before, after the break, what we'll want to come back and talk about is continuous glucose monitoring, which is the newest, newest type of monitoring we have. And we've been chatting about it for the last few weeks. We've launched our continuous glucose monitors at the association, and we have it available now for persons. And it's really a game changer for persons living with diabetes. And even persons who don't have diabetes and you want to monitor what's going on with your blood sugar, you want to make changes in your life, you want to change what you eat and see what food actually does to your blood sugars, then this is really the, the best tool for that. So let's take a short break, please. And when we come back, we will talk about continuous glucose monitoring, how it works, and how it could be used ad- to the advantage of persons, and of course, why we want to get it for our children with diabetes. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. All right, we get back to it. Of course, uh, 30 minutes away from 1 o'clock, we have uh, Diabetes and You, uh, Dr. Andrew Danu uh, here. All right, a question coming up here. Um, Andrew, of course, is uh, can you explain the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? And if you're diagnosed with one, which one you should be more concerned about? So that's a really good question. And most persons are most persons in Trinidad and I think around the world really don't know the difference between type one and type two. They are two different diseases. Their cause is separate. What makes them diabetes is their effect and their effect on the body. So there are two different causes. Type two is the type of diabetes which is most common. And most people they think of diabetes would be type two. And this is because of impaired glucose tolerance and insulin resistance, which simply means that the body isn't either making enough insulin or the body is making insulin and the cells, or your your muscle cells, your liver cells, your heart cells, which require, which you use insulin, um, which use insulin to get sugar into the cells, don't respond to the insulin as well. And this would be due, of course, to many, many factors, but the main factor is obesity and which would be which would have caused been caused from from a poor lifestyle, which we refer to as you know not eating properly and, and not exercising enough and too much stress and all of that, smoking and all of that. And this is of course what type two diabetes is. Type one diabetes, on the other hand, is a more rare form of the disease, uh, and this of course affects about five percent of our population, and this is an autoimmune disease. So it's not caused by insulin resistance is not it's not caused by eating too much food it's not caused by not exercising enough its cause is really unknown we're really not sure what the cause of type type 1 diabetes is what scientists suspect however is you know sometimes we see it triggered by viruses it's triggered by what, what persons have genetic susceptibility some people have type 1 diabetes in their family um, environmental factors lots of things but it's autoimmune, which means your body, for some reason, thinks that your pancreas is, is, is a foreign cell and it attacks it and it destroys it and you're no longer able to make insulin. So you need to inject insulin. So type two, again, the difference, there are two differences, or rather the difference between the two of them is the cause, type type one being autoimmune, type two being, um, well, you can say due to lifestyle, um, but it's other other factors as well. Of course, there are other forms of diabetes as well. One thing to note, you can't go from type 1 to type 2 or type 2 to type 1 because they, they are different diseases, right? Very rare there's something called double diabetes, but we're not discussing that here. 
but you can't go from one to the other. And just because you're on insulin doesn't mean that you're on type, you have type one diabetes. That's another misconception we have in Trinidad. So all people with type one diabetes date insulin, however, but people with type two diabetes, sometimes you put on oral medications. Sometimes you could treat it with lifestyle interventions alone. And sometimes you may need insulin. So again, there are difference. And the last part of the question is, which is the, which is the worst type to have? Well, both of them have the same effects on the body. Both of them would cause all of the issues that we talk about that diabetes could cause the amputation, the kidney disease, the eye disease. Both of them cause that. If it is, they are not well controlled. So both could have the same effect. Type 1 diabetes, however, I think is more traumatic because the onset is very early in life most times. So children or as young as a few months old can develop type 1 diabetes. And this, of course, means they need to inject insulin for the rest of their life, they need to test for the rest of their life. And this is why, again, CGMs are so important. So so based on that, that was the answer to that question. Right, we do have another Any, one. Yeah. A 63-year-old male here with pre-diabetes. My A1C seems to be stuck at 5.91. I uh, exercise daily and try to eat as healthy as I possibly can. Any suggestions to further reduce my A1C? So that's a really good question um, in terms of HbA1c and ranges. Now, if you're 60 in your 60s, your HbA1c should be determined, although we have set standards saying you know below 5.7 is, is is your target for most people based on who you are your targets may be different so as persons get older doctors tend to relax the hba1c target for them meaning that instead of saying 5.7 somebody with diabetes might your hba1c might be your target might be say seven Somebody who on insulin may be having a hard time controlling their blood sugar, their target may be, say, 8. And the reason for that is that you don't want too low of an HbA1c. Because if it's too low, especially if you have diabetes, especially if you're an older person, then that means a lot of the time your blood sugars are actually dipping very, very low. And very, dipping very low means that, that that's putting you at risk because low blood sugar is extremely dangerous in the short term. So what I would advise you, gentlemen, is that 5.9 is actually pretty close to 5.7. 5.9 is well within the good range, well within a healthy range when it, when it comes to, you know, not being in the diabetic range above 6.5. So I, I, I would tell them, you know what, if, you, if, you, if you're not experiencing any symptoms of any diseases, if you're not experiencing any discomfort, then I would, would tell them not to worry too much about moving that 5.9 down to 5.7. It really doesn't matter much. And even many machines have an error of about 0.25 when you when you do a HbA1c test. So it could very well be 5.7 just because of the machine and the errors that most machi all machines have. Any machine you have have an error. All right, we have um, a call. Um, yeah, we have a call coming in here. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I would like to get the number of the Diabetes Association, please. Sure. So that number is 607-3288. Yes, correct. 607-3288. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So 
give us a call. We're open Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. So give us a call and you could be able to, to reach us um, and make your appointments or, and have your questions answered and so on. Um, so based on we just have a few minutes left. Um, I want to wrap up by again telling people about the continuous glucose monitors. We have them in stock. We have them in stock at the association. We're trying to get them for our children, but we do have them for purchase. So if you would like to purchase a CGM, it's not the cheapest thing, but it's very cheap compared to other brands and other options around the world. So we have them here in Trinidad readily available. We'll teach you how to use it. We'll, we'll show you how to work with it. And of course, when you do have questions, you can reach out to us and we'll assist you as well. Um, it's not very cheap. As I said, there, there are two parts to the CGM. You have the sensor, which goes onto the skin. And there's a tiny little cannula, it's like a tiny little straw that stays under the skin. You don't feel it, you don't feel anything. Um, it goes under the skin and that is what monitors your blood, well, not your blood sugar, but it monitors what we call the interstitial fluid, the fluid around the cells. Um, and it, 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 that, that connects to a, a transmitter and that transmitter just clips onto the top of it and that syncs up to your phone via Bluetooth. And every five minutes you get a blood sugar reading. The blood sugars are about to go high or about to go low. You get alerts on your phone, and then you see the trends. You see average HbA1c. It makes it. If it is that you're a child, if it's somebody that you want to monitor anywhere in the world, you could monitor somebody. So a child could be in school, and the parent could be at work, and the parent would get an alert that you know your blood sugars are going low or high, and they could call the school and say, you know, um, this is what's happening to my child. So it's very very um, useful. Um, as I said, it's not the cheapest. Uh, if you would like to get a CGM, the sensors, which last 10 days, every 10 days you need to change the sensor because of course it's a medical device in your skin, you can't live that forever, you get infection. So every 10 days you change the sensor and that is um, $450 for a sensor, TT. And if you would like, and, and of course the transmitter is $675 um, and that transmitter actually lasts four years. So the transmitter lasts four years. So it's just a sensor you have to buy every 10 days or however long you want to use it. You can use it for 10 days, you can stop, you can use it continuously if you want. Um, so that's why we need about $15,000 a year per child. So that's why we're raising about 2.5 million, trying to get it for the children for a year and then continue the fundraising efforts. So that's why the CGM again is so important. So if you would like to have a CGM, you can give us a call at the association as well. And you could we'll put you on the waiting list because of course we're lots of persons who would like to have them. So we're getting a new shipment next week and we're going to be onboarding a lot of new people on the CGMs. Um, really taking charge of your diabetes with the CGM is, is very important. If you're a member of the association, you'll get a substantial discount on the price that I would have just called there. So, so that's the CGMs. And that's what we are doing at the association. Um, I just want to just wrap up today by reminding persons that we do have lots of activities in November. Um, our run, our ride that uh, on November 5th, which is to raise funds for children with diabetes for the CGM project. Um, our ride or run that, and that's a run of 5K, and also there's a short walk. So anybody of any age can participate because, again, we target lots of our members, lots of our supporters. Um, that's on November 26th. You can register for both activities now. Go to our social media. 
Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you could also go to diabetes-tt.org, diabetes-tt.org, and you could find more information about your events and you could register. Or Carlton Philip Diabetes Symposium is on the 18th of November. That's a Saturday at the University of the West Indies. Um, that event will be a really, really excellent event as well. We'll have registration up next week. And of course, November 14th is World Diabetes Day. And we'll be doing lots of activities across the country, both for the, both for the general public and for children at schools with our, with our um, youth arm, um, diabetic youth, um, the youth advocacy arm. So they're going to be doing activities in secondary schools on that day. Uh, so that's really what's going to be happening for the next few weeks. Um, again, in December, we're going to be having our camps. So if you do have a child living with diabetes and you're not part of our group as yet, give us a call and we will add them to the group because these are the children we want to get the CGMs for. And these are the children who are going to be on our camp for Christmas. And if you have a child who may be overweight or a child that you suspect may have diabetes or a child you suspect may be at risk for diabetes, especially if the child is overweight, then the camp for children with the, the child lifestyle camp is for you. And this is where we're going to be teaching children about nutrition, about exercise, about taking care of themselves, and even the parents, how to take care of the children to really, um, one, help them lose weight, and then two, prevent them from developing diabetic complications. So based, that's it for me this week. Yes, I sir. hope that our listeners got a lot out of it. Um, next week, we're going to have a guest, and we're going to be chatting a lot more about diabetes and you. All right. Thank you there very much, Dr. All right, feels good saying that. And congratulations once again. Thank you very much. All right, folks. So you've been listening to Diabetes and You right here on Freedom 106.5 FM. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.